all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thanks for joining us on Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens. Oh, my goodness, she's doing poses to the music. Dr. Owens is a specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. Today is going to be a general health show, so it gives you an opportunity to call with any questions you might have um, about health. Yeah, general health. General health. Like, general women's health, general health questions. Like maybe you have a wart on your forehead and you want to know, yeah. should I have that thing burned off or what? Yeah, and every now and again we have, we have um, we'll get some feedback from our listeners about show topics and things like that, which we always appreciate. Um, so this is kind of like the day where, you know, it's, it's dealer's choice. You get to decide um, what the topics of our show are today by virtue of your questions, comments, um, um, and concerns. And while we're waiting for phone calls, we'll have plenty to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's always something great wide, to talk about. What we won't topic. be talking about is this really like dull weather that's happening outside. Because I just, it's so, it's, it's a little, so, it's it's a little gloomy, dreary. isn't it? Yes. It's a little gloomy, a little chilly. But we can talk about allergies, seasonal allergies. We could talk but about first, that. first, let me give the phone number out. So go ahead and get your questions ready. You know, you have a pain in your side and it's been there for two months and you're wondering whether it means something. Give us a call. <laughs> 1-877-MPB-RING. 1-877-672-7464. Or if you'd prefer, send us an email. And the address is women at mpbonline.org. So, yeah, dreary weather. It is dreary weather, but that's okay. You know, the weather outside may be... Frightful. <laughs> but but it is nothing but sunshine in here in our studio, and we are um, really excited. It's coming up on St. Patty's Day. It'll give you guys a little preview. Drive time's coming up. Drum roll. So, you know, get, get, get your money ready for next week. Let it's me just coming. Say- let me just say something about the dreary weather before we get too far past that. Because I come to work, you know, at 4 or 4.30 in the morning. So this morning it was it was fine. It was kind of warm. It was clear. And I didn't even know it had rained until um, after I got off Mississippi edition. So that was at 9 o'clock this morning. And I walk and I can see drops out the window. And then I find out that not only did it rain, but in, in the Jackson area, it poured. Yeah, it was like, like a monsoon. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally missed that. As a person who... Had, who was fortunate enough to be able to get out this morning just a little behind you? Um, I on Fridays my my morning in the, at work starts at six forty five. When I'm lucky on the on the really great days it starts at six thirty. Um, but um, this morning, so I I 
most people know that I kind of lived in a lot of different places and I used to live in Maryland. And so when I lived in Baltimore, one of the things that I learned was to check the weather. And so now that I have kids, I typically check the weather, but hey, you know, it's spring break. So I hadn't really been as observant of said weather because I don't have to dress the kids, you know, they can kind of hang out, do whatever they want to at home. They've been with, and they've been with the fabulous granny nannies this week, which has been amazing. Um, But anyway, um, so I didn't check the weather. Apparently you weren't listening to MPB this morning or you would have heard the forecast well, numerous times. Well, this was, but this is at, <laughs> it's at five o'clock in the morning, Karen, I'm not listening to anything okay. in the morning. That's like my meditation time. So anyway, so I get up, I get dressed cause I kind of already had figured out what I was going to wear irrespective of said weather. And I didn't get the opportunity to ask Alexa this morning before I headed out the door and I walk outside and I see that and this is like in the middle of the torrential downpour um, and of course my umbrellas are in the car which is not near me it's just it's a little bit a little bit of work this morning I, but can't, it's okay. I can't ask Alexa because she's too loud and it'll wake the kids up all right we have phone calls already so we're going to get straight to the phones and Sherry calling in from Jackson hi Sherry hi good morning what's your question um, I wanted to know um, if you had any suggestions on how to get rid of um, eye pumpiness. I have tried everything that they advertise to try to get rid of it. I looked hard every day, and I read that our iodine might be my iodine might be low or something like that. But I'm just trying to see if you have any remedies or suggestions on how to get rid of it, because I do sleep six to eight hours, so I know it's not from lack of sleep. Well, um, Sherry, this has to a, a really good question and something that a lot of women uh, struggle with. Um, so part, so there are a couple of things that play into um, eye puffiness. And sleep deprivation, of course, is one of them. You said six to eight hours. We learned a little while ago that adults typically need at least eight on our sleep, our sleep hygiene show. Um, so, but, it, but it's probably not just that. Um, there are some medical conditions that can cause you to be a little puffy around your eyes, but the the other thing that you always want to think about is um, is hydration, and that's kind of why you know if you think about um, the the really great spa ads where there's always somebody laying back with some cucumbers over their eyes, it's because that helps to put moisture into those areas, and so sometimes um, that can be really helpful. So making sure that your skin is appropriately moisturized and even adding a little moisture in those areas. Um, there are, of course, some tightening creams. If you're a person who likes to use like creams that will help with the puffiness, especially in the bottom portion of your eyes, not so much for the top, but definitely so for the bottom tightening creams. And for those folks who don't want to do the real fancy stuff and you might laugh, but preparation A. I was going to bring that up. Actually works. You can use that. So that's a hemorrhoid cream, and if it, can, if it can shrink hemorrhoid exactly tissue. Exactly. The why point not? is that it does. It does. It shrinks out that area, and so it will tighten up the skin. Now, the only problem with those topical products is that they don't last indefinitely. So you do have to reapply them. For some folks um, who want to get even like more. I guess more um, invasive. There are options through 
um, face and skin centers where they can actually do a procedure where they can decrease surgically by excising a little bit of the skin. We think of it as like blepharoplasty or something that has to do with removing um, or tightening up the skin around the eyes. They can actually help to decrease eye puffiness as well. But if you're talking about natural things, um, cucumbers and uh, anything that will add moisture to those areas tends to help. Um, And that's kind of why usually if you have puffy eyes, there it's worse in the morning throughout the course of the day sometimes it tends to get better Um, but if it's usually because you're exhausted um, then throughout the day it tends to get worse you tend to be more and more tired so there are lots of different things that can contribute to it the best way to address it is of course to make sure that you can identify the underlying cause Uh, Karen mentioned seasonal allergies and there are some folks who have a lot of like eye irritation, and they can get really puffy eyes as a result of even allergies. So making sure that you have at least talked with your healthcare provider and that you don't have evidence of any kind of medical disorder, first and foremost, and then after that, um, trying some of those things. And there is a wide variety from natural options, again, all the way to surgery that could help to make a difference in the overall appearance of the eyes. And like I said, it doesn't have, you don't have to spend uh, an arm and a leg to do it Um, but you can get some really good results um, at least temporary um, with just some regular all over-the-counter stuff or things that you can find at your grocery store. Cherie thank you so much for your phone call I'm sure it helped other folks as well appreciate it. We're going to oh. stay on. Oh, did she have another thought? I hope not. Karen's, Sorry, Karen's Sheree. Karen's fast at the draw already. I She's am. hanging up on folks out the gate. Trigger finger. <laughs> Next on the phone is Marsha calling from. Where are you from, Marsha? Hello. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Oh, absolutely. Where are you calling from? Laurel. Oh, okay. Laurel. Great. I know Laurel. Yay. Yeah, I used to hang out in Waynesboro sometime and I always would pass by Laurel heading down that way. What's your yeah, question, Marsha? My family's from Waybo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So what's your question? Uh, I have, I've got a little uh, excess fat around my belly. And um, I've been doing uh, apple cider vinegar and grapefruit juice and honey mm-hmm. to help me break up fat. And it's working pretty good. Yeah, those are kind of I, things that will jumpstart your metabolism, give it a boost. That's awesome. Uh, and a little bit of cinnamon and honey at night. Okay. That helps, too. Uh, my question is, uh, four tablespoons of apple cider vinegar a day, is that too much? Uh, will that eventually cause osteoporosis? So um, four tablespoons should be just fine. Um, the other thing that I will tell you, if you're concerned about osteoporosis, is just making sure that you get the appropriate amount of calcium and vitamin D supplementation. That will help. Um, as you, as we age, of course, especially after we go through the change of life, we experience a much more rapid decrease in our bone density. There are other different types of um, habits that can also increase our risk and also some genetics. But like, for example, smoking is another thing that kind of helps to send your bones up in smoke because you tend to have, we tend to have more rapid rates of decline in our bone mineral density with smoking and some, uh, some other um, types of habits. So what I would say 98. 
Yeah, well, the other so things that will help combat that and it will also kind of work toward what you're trying to achieve when we're talking about that excess stuff going on around the middle. In addition to trying to help boost your metabolism, you know, weight bearing exercise. And when I say that, I don't mean that we have to put on that that neat little wrestler looking outfit and pick up like these really heavy barbells like you think of, but just something as simple as, you know, and these are things that you can even find in your own home. If you take like a five pound bag of sugar and, um, you know, you can actually exercise with a five pound bag of sugar. You don't have to go out and buy five pound dumbbells. Most people have a five pound bag of sugar in their, in their homes. Um, and so you can do that. You can use, um, large cans of beans and use those. If you're a person, who hasn't really worked out much or don't do a lot, you can use things like that around your house to kind of help to increase your activity that will also be very protective of your bones. But that small amount of apple cider vinegar, especially if you're uh, teaming that up with a lot of water intake, should be perfectly fine. Okay. um, I'm on 1,200 calories a day with 85 grams of carbs. Oh, wow. And I'm um, exercising three times a week, Hour and a half. Good for you, Marcia. Marcia, you're and, uh, killing it. <laughs> yeah, and I've lost forty pounds since last April. Well, well gee good whiz, for that's you. Great. Yeah, Marcia, I'm just thank you. I'm just concerned that I was getting too much osteoporosis. I was going to get osteoporosis from drinking so much apple cider vinegar. No, I think <laughs> that what you're doing actually, um, and you know, there there is some concern with uh, taking large amounts and how that might affect your bone. But I will tell you that all of those other things that you are doing are actually helping you to maintain the bone uh, density that you have. So the more active that you are, um, bones are kind of like. Um, you know, most other things, you use it or you lose it. So um, yeah. if you, the more that you're using them, the better they'll be for you. So it sounds like you're doing everything right. Good luck to you. Thank you, Marcia, very much for your call. We're going to take our first break of the hour. Linda, hang on the phone. We'll get to your call as soon as we come back. If you'd like to give us a call, it's General Health Day. That means general health questions are welcome at one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 or send an email if you'd prefer, to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be back on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens is answering your general health questions today. So if you want to give us a call, do so now at one eight seven seven mpb ring 877-672-7464. And Linda's been waiting for a while here. Linda from Jackson. Go ahead, Linda. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Um, my name is Linda. And my question is, I'm having a problem uh, with hair on my chin. I think... 
basically, I, when I was younger, I made a mistake of using a razor on my chin to remove one hair. And it escalated from that point is what I'm told. So I'm having to shave every day. And I'm getting a bit frustrated because it keeps going back. And I would like to know what I can do that would best take care of this problem. So, Linda, a, a couple of really quick questions. Um, so about what's what's your age range? Give me a five year, a five year window. Uh, I'm like 59. OK. And um, the other question. So you you've been dealing with this. You had a, initially just a little bit of hair and now it's gotten more. You've gotten more over time. To the point where you yes, have to shave. Is uh, it just in your chin, or do, have you noticed that there um, that you are uh, getting more hair in other places, or is it just focused primarily on your chin? It's basically my chin is where I'm having uh, the issue. Just the hair growing on my chin every day and having to shave every day. Yeah. So um, you are not alone, especially um, for women who have um, gone through menopause. Um, So what you're experiencing, and it depends. So there's a a condition called hirsutism. That's H-I-R, not H-E-R. But it's where... um, women get excessive hair growth and typically it's darker, thicker hair um, and it can grow in um, a male pattern. So that's like whether it's around the chin, it can be on the lip, it can be um, around the sides of of our faces and also in other areas throughout our body um, in a male pattern. So um, and sometimes women will notice thickening of the hair on their arms um, and on their backs and other places. And hirsutism is actually hormonally caused. So there's a hormonal uh, cause for it. And it's because we have this increased production in male hormones. Now, I think it's interesting because you said at one point you used a razor on one hair and, you know, they say don't don't pull it. And don't right. shave it because two right. or three more grow in their place. So it's kind of a, a wives' tale. But for women who actually have hirsutism, they can have um, an increase in hair production over time as these hormones, which are called androgens, which we all have floating around. But as these androgens increase, then you can have more hair production. So some of it... I think may just be that you have rapidly growing hair, which is why you feel the need to maybe shave every day. The other piece is that it may also be that without that, you know, you're getting you will get that appearance or the little five o'clock shadow on your chin that people don't like. And so for that reason, you're continually shaving. But um, there are lots of uh, different types of what we call depilatory um, processes that you can undergo. So shaving is one of them. Um, you could always tweeze or wax. When you wax, then what will happen is it actually pulls the hair out at the follicle. So when we're shaving, what we're just doing is clipping the hair, at, usually at the level of the skin. If you get one of those really fancy razors that a lot of men use, sometimes they talk about how it lifts the hair and then cuts it. So it kind of, you get a little bit closer shave. Um, but you can 
you could consider waxing. Some women, and you have to be very careful when you move to some of the other ways for hair removal, but if you wanted to use, for example, laser, um, laser is a very effective way, but you have to be very careful if you're lasering hair on your face um, because there can all if the laser is not applied correctly then you can have some discoloration of the skin and things like that which also if it's on your face is going to be more um, it may not give you the cosmetic result that you want but there so that's an option okay um And then another thing is, if you wanted to, you could try those debilitory creams. So you could use something like a, I guess I think of the the neat commercials from back in the 80s where they you put the cream on and you let it sit for a while. Yeah, neat nair, they're all kind of the same. Um, But there are creams that you could also put on. Again, when you're applying those on places like your face, you have to be very careful because that skin is a very sensitive and also thinner skin than some of the other places where hair typically grows, for example, on our legs um, or on our arms. So um, sometimes if those are left on too long, they can, you know, leave you with burns and things like that. So you have to be very careful. But there are lots of different options aside from shaving that can give you a better cosmetic result. And that can also decrease the amount of time and energy that you have to spend in order to get that specific look that you want. But if you're looking for something that's going to last a long time, you probably should seek the care of a healthcare professional, whether it's a dermatologist or someone in the plastic surgery realm who could advise you on lasering or some of the other therapies that might be more permanent for hair removal. Thank you so much for your phone call, Linda. And now we're going to talk to another Linda. This one from Bolivar, Tennessee. Is it Bolivar or Bolivar? Bolivar. Bolivar, just like in Mississippi. All right, Linda, go ahead. Oh, I'm wondering about the dark circles under my eyes. The older I get, the darker they get, and they're beginning to spread beyond my eyes, under my eyes. Um, so how long have you, uh, have you had that happen? All of my life, okay. uh, my mother have been. I was just sister. about to ask about your family because genetics mm-hmm. plays a big role in uh, some of that. So, some of it is not just necessarily. So, the part of the reason that you see the darkening is that you can actually see the blood vessels um, mm-hmm. in that thin skin underneath the eyelid. And so that's kind of part of what's responsible for some of that darkening. However, um, as a person who also has family members who kind of have a little bit of a darker hue under their eyes, just naturally, there is some genetics uh, that's at at play as well. Um, So the thing that I would tell you that one of the most important things is just making sure that you... um, take good care of your skin. So Mm -hmm. some of the things that you can do that would be helpful, um, you can use like a a retinoid cream. So like something that contains retin-A. And for all my people who are of reproductive age, just be very careful when you're using those uh, types of um, compounds, because if you happen to be pregnant or you get pregnant while you're using them, they can um, they also can uh, cause harm to your uh, unborn baby. But uh, Danger for me. (laughs) 
You know, most women who are out of that out of that window are very happy to share that. Um, (laughs) But but you can use a retinoid um, that can help you. And and if you look at some of the things that are available over the counter in drugstores, and I by no means are like promoting any one of them, um, finding a cream like that that has a retinoid would be something that would be very helpful. Um, Another thing is that there are some things that we do that create uh, a a widening or like a swelling of the vessels around our face. So, for example, those of us who sleep on our stomachs mm-hmm. um, and who put a so you get the effect of gravity on those blood vessels. And so that can make them appear more prominent. And sometimes those of us who are stomach sleepers may end up with a little bit more puffy face in the morning mm-hmm. as opposed to those people who sleep on on their backs. So something like that can actually um be helpful. If you are a person who um, has more pigment or color in their skin, so darker skin people can have increased pigment around those areas. So always making sure that you uh, very liberally apply sunscreen can help. And sometimes some of those lightening products that are available will help to kind of lift a little bit of the darkening from around your eyes. Again, I have to go back to what um, Karen said at the beginning talking about allergies because sometimes mm-hmm. that puffiness and if you struggle with allergies you can we also do. get darkening in that area so making sure that you have a good antihistamine that kind of keeps those symptoms at bay will also help um, as well. Linda thank you so much for your phone call we wish you well and less puffy dark eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh and get more sleep. Yeah, get That's more sleep, never a Linda. bad thing. Never a bad thing. <laughs> thank you. We're going to stay on the phone before we take our next break and Sue is calling in from Beaumont. Hi, Sue. Hi, it's good to hear your voice, Karen. Oh, hey. thank you. You know she's a she's a Karen fan. Sue, it's good to hear from what you. What about How are Dr. You? Owen's voice? She has a nice voice, doesn't she? And Dr. Owen too. I'm no, I'm no lady. I've lived I've lived through everything you can think of. So I, I just want to make a comment that on some of the things you were talking about using neat or nair. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. I, I used to use that stuff, and it would, it would just make your face red and raw for two or three days. It was horrible, you know? Yeah, that's so why I said you have to be careful with those creams on your face, because some of them are very harsh, and what they do is they kind of make them to be used all over the body, and so for the more delicate skin and areas, mm. it can really be hard on your skin. You're no. very much correct. But, but now, a, a man's electric razor works better than anything. You don't have to have shaving cream or anything. You just put on there and, and you're done. And you can use it two or three times. I mean, it doesn't matter. You're a pro. Sue, you're a pro. <laughs> hey, I've been, I've lived through everything. Well, you, you know, I, they, like I said, I watched the, I watched. electric razor. Just buy your razor and zip over there wow. and you're done. I watched those commercials and when they show the little cartoon about how it lifts the hair up and cuts it for a very close shave. And then you see the guy and he's like rubbing this very smooth angled chin. It does kind of make you want to go out and buy one. But yeah, so that's great. So and and I think the other concept is what you shave with makes a difference. And I didn't mention that. So I'm glad that you called, Sue, because that's a, a, a very good point. Um, many of us who are women shave with the things that we were taught to shave our legs with, basically. So we think of just these little small disposable razors for the most part and don't spend as much effort and energy in the whole hair removal process as our male counterparts because a lot of times what they're doing 
is basically taking care of. I've not seen many guys shave their legs, but I've seen a bunch of them shave their face. So for them, I think the, that appearance thing matters more. And for many of them, closer shaves matter more. And so if that's what you're going for, then perhaps maybe you're you're spot on that if you're going to use an actual razor, then you should probably kind of take into consideration the fact that, you know, the, the men have kind of got this one down to a science and they use it all the time. So that, that makes good sense. Thanks for that. Anything else, Sue? Because we have to go to break. I always listen to MP, MPB's uh, afternoon programming because they have the best programming. I mean, great, great programs. Well, and Sue, I the, you're a sweetheart. Afternoon, they have the uh, uh, NPR. So oh, I heard on NPR program recently that researchers have found that a calcium, oral calcium, doesn't work. It doesn't help any. Have you heard about that? Well, I think the thing that you have to be concerned about with oral calcium is that, um, and, and this is this is actually interesting about anything that we take through our mouth. So there's a thing called first pass metabolism. And so basically it's saying that whatever you take in through through your stomach or that has to make its way to your stomach in order to be absor- absorbed, that you don't get 100% of all of that that you take in. So if you're trying to get a certain amount of oral calcium or if you're if you're using the oral route as the only way that you're getting these nutrients, then you actually have to take much more than you would expect because we don't have a fully efficient system where we take 100% of everything that's taken in isn't taken up through our digestive system. So some of it has to go through the liver and the blood has to be clean. And, and then there are things that we might consume that might interfere with the uptake of some of those things. So I think um, when we think about that, you have to kind of take those things into consideration. We always talk about how other medications can interfere with, oh, don't take this medicine with this. Don't drink grapefruit juice with that. Um, you know, don't drink alcohol and take this pill. Um, we think about those interactions, but a lot of times we don't think about environmentally the other things that we may take in just in our regular diets that might make it harder for us to take things up. There are people who have surgery um, and especially people who've had weight loss surgery or who've lost a certain portion of their their intestines that can have difficulties with how well they absorb things. Um, so if you have any kind of malabsorptive problem or something that creates an issue where absorption is a problem, then that may be intensified. But the other piece is that everything that we take in, we don't fully absorb and fully use. There's always something that makes its way out. Sue, thank you so much for your phone call. We have to move on to our break, but we really appreciate it. Let me uh, give the phone number out because the phone lines are now open. So give us a call with any kind of general health question. one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 or send an email to women at org, And we will be right back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens is here answering all kinds of questions about all different kinds of topics because that's our topic today, general women's health. I wish we had outtakes so that you guys could hear exactly what kind of conversations we have during the breaks. You really don't want to hear what kind it, of conversations It would we be have. so entertaining. <laughs> if you'd like to come, <laughs> give us a call, because the phone lines are open right now. No waiting. Step no up line, now. No line, no wait. 1-877-MPB-RING. 1-877-672-7464. And because we don't have any callers right now, I know there are a couple of things you wanted to talk about in terms of health. Yeah, well, you know, I, I always trying to to bring it back to um, this the women's health uh, spin, and I thought it'd been a while since we kind of talked about some some female organ things, and so um, you know we had been talking a lot about just some general wellness things, and you know emotional health, and we talked about sleep and some other things, and so I thought that we would talk about some women organ things, and um, <laughs> so one of the things that we hadn't talked about in a while. Um, our uterine fibroids. And um, so I thought that it would be nice just kind of uh, to talk a little bit about um, what fibroids are and kind of what uh, different uh, symptoms they can cause and, and risk factors and some of the things about how we treat them. I think that, you know, nothing happens by accident. This is really kind of because over the past few weeks, I've had um, some very good friends who have um, had some issues related to fibroids. And um, they've led to some individual discussions. And I was like, you know, we hadn't talked about that in a while. Um, And so if the folks that I know have these questions and are struggling with um, this is a problem, and it's interesting because it's been a wide range. I'm talking people who are in their 20s who are struggling with fibroids for various and sundry reasons up to women who even after menopause are still experiencing um, some symptoms that are related to fibroids and and as we age especially after menopause those symptoms tend to improve or in some instances resolve depending on what they are and and the size of the fibroids etc um and so i thought well this is something that kind of is germane uh to all women in some uh way shape form or fashion unless of course you no longer have your uterus in which case you would not have a uterine fibroid because you have removed the culprit i've never had fibroids but they they scare me because i've heard you say or other doctors in here that they can be pretty large oh absolutely they can they can reach very impressive sizes. like what size give an example oh my gosh um so i can tell you that they're so I know for a fact that um, one has been removed that weighed 12, like 12 pounds. Stop. Which is amazing. It's like, a, it's just bigger than a, than most babies. And you wouldn't remove that in one piece. You well, cut so, it up? So most of the time, yeah. It, it just depends on, and, and those, like, so if it's surgically removed, then, um, you know, it depends on where it's located. Because there are some that actually kind of grow off on a little stalk, 
so to speak. And so they have a little stalk. It's like broccoli. (laughs) Well, broccoli kind of has a much bigger stalk, but yeah, the same concept. So there's a little stalk and then this this um, tumor. And I say tumor. Fibroids are not cancer, but they are tumors. So, um, but they are usually almost always benign growths, um, meaning they're non-cancerous growths. And so if they have a little stalk, that's what we call pedunculated. So you can just, um, those are a little easier to remove in most instances. Pedunculated. Yeah. It's a very fancy way of saying hanging on a stalk. (laughs) Yeah. See, yeah, the doctor terms. We come up with really great Pedunculated. words. Pedunculated. Right. But that just basically means on a stalk. Now we're going to switch topics. I'm <laughs> sure that, uh, is it Lewis or Louise? Who's calling? Hello? Hey. This oh, it's is Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> okay, Lewis is calling from say, Brookhaven. It's Louise. Louise has a very deep <laughs> voice. <laughs> Louise. We're happy to change the topic from large fibroids, Lewis. What is your question about? Yes, I was curious uh, the what the doctor's opinion would be is why statistics seem to show that females suffer from depression more than males. So you mean why? I think yes, I think that your, could you give an opinion on oh, that? Oh, sure. Or have you heard any research on that? Well, so there so there are several different uh, reasons that women are more prone to depression. Um, one of them is that there is a there are a lot of depression that can be related to or that's related to hormonal fluctu- fluctuations. And so I'm not saying this to give men um, unnecessary ammunition um, because I think sometimes many people will just discount. Well, it's her time of the month. Exactly. <laughs> they discount, you know, irritability and some of those other, other things that can sometimes be symptoms of depression. But the truth is that hormonal imbalances and fluctuations in hormones can impact um, our um, emotional well-being uh, and, and depressive symptoms. So that's one thing. And that tends to happen. So while there are uh, hormonal changes and fluctuations that occur in men, they don't occur as frequently as they do in women throughout the course of their life. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is that I think um, women tend to report more. So I think there may also be a reporting bias in that um, there are probably lots of men who experience depressive symptoms and either A, don't recognize them or B, don't report them or don't seek treatment for them. So I think that some of that, so there's probably an underreporting with respect to male depression. The other part is that I think that there's a lot that we can do with respect to mental health and helping people understand depression symptoms um, across the board. Because I think when most people think of depression, they think of people sitting in a room by themselves crying. Um, and either not eating or potentially overeating, depending on whether or not they may have an, an emotional um, eating response. And in actuality, and I think when we had uh, Dr. Clapton on, she she mentioned this, and it's something that I just could not get out of my mind, that this concept of how male depression manifests, and it's much more common for males to experience the agitated depression, which is the kind of edgy, um, more anxious, and sometimes the kind of mean, quote, depression. So what may be perceived as a harsh or bitter individual could actually be that person's manifestation of um, depression. 
So um, there's lots of of research that's been done um, investigating, you know, causes um, for depression in women. But those basic fundamental things we know. And the other piece is that when we talk about just healthcare consumers in general, women are far more present as healthcare consumers than males. And so the other piece is that there are many other medical conditions that also happen to be more common in women, for example, thyroid disease, um, that also cause depressive type symptoms. So I think that all of those things together uh, kind of help to show why we see depression more commonly um, diagnosed in women as opposed to men. And the truth is, I mean, because I, I think it's really it's stressful to be a man in today's world. It's stressful to be a woman in today's world. I think everybody um, is carrying some level of stress and how we um, socially are taught to deal with those stressors and what things are considered acceptable, I think also kind of weave its way into that those statistics as well. Lewis, thank you so much for your phone call. Great question. Absolutely. Thank you. Very good answer. Lewis, what do you th- <laughs> Lewis, what do you think? I'm interested to know what your what's your take on we it. What's have your to theory? go to break. We have to Oh, <laughs> come on, Karen, I wanna know. Lewis, you got a theory on it? Boarding. Uh that was that's a big part of it. And uh acting out in uh anger as opposed to uh the more subdued response. Mm-hmm. I think both of those uh, are excellent. I think that is part of it. All Absolutely. right. Thanks Lewis, so thank you so much. Great conversation. Go, Trigger Finger. It's our last break, so if you would like to give us a call, now is the time. Last chance, last call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown with Dr. Michelle Owens. It's a general health uh, day, so if you have a question, now the now is the time to call. But you want to know what we talk about off the air? Doctor Owens just showed me her legs, and you may be wondering <laughs> why she doesn't grow hair on her legs. She has no hair on her legs. See, we bare our souls here. Have MPB. you ever had to shave your legs? No, I never <gasps> shaved my never shaved my legs. You're the first person life. I've met who never had to shave their legs. You're an oddity. We talk about <laughs> well, so much of of. Um, of hair growth and hair distribution, you know, there are hormones that mediate it, but it also is genetic. And I just don't come from a long line of hairy women. It's just, that's just not, the women in my family don't have lots of hair. You are the envy of all women everywhere. Well, it's the craziest thing because I, I, you know, I, I don't, I know that people shave and I remember when I was in school growing up and, you know, my classmates and girls that we, you know, play basketball together, whatever. Or even now when patients come in to see me and they say, oh, I'm so sorry, I haven't shaved my legs. It's like, I don't worry, I've never shaved mine. It's not a big deal. (laughs) And they're like, like, never? 
And I said, no, never. Not ever. I just, it's not a, you know. And I, But look, look at my arms. Oh, my gosh. She doesn't have any hair on her arms. See, look at that. Smooth like a baby's bottom. <laughs> that is just amazing. I've, I've never, no, you usually have long sleeves on. Yeah, wow. I know. There you go. All right. If you have See a there? question about <laughs> Dr. Owens. So now, that, so now I think everybody, now everybody <laughs> should feel much closer to me because I have now shared that with you. You know that I'm not a hairy person. All right. So what yeah. can we talk about now while we're waiting for callers? Well, you had mentioned something earlier. What was, what was I, uh, well, it specifically? I was you were kind of on the allergies. seasonal allergies Well, thing. It's just because it's that time and all that yellow pollen is falling. Not today because it's raining and that washes <laughs> it out of the air, but... Yeah, well, you know, the interesting thing um, is that right now, that's what I was going to say. Now, because of the the rain, I think the people who really are true sufferers of allergies are probably going to, like, want to run outside and and enjoy. And bathe in it. Exactly. But... It's it's kind of interesting because they're so the the symptoms um, are pretty much the same or very similar. People experience them in, in very similar ways, you know, whether even if it's sometimes you get the headaches or if it's just runny nosing or sneezing and some people get cough and irritation. But um, just the the broad variation in how much of that they experience and the way that it's put together, I think is really, um, it's fascinating. But um, I think it's it's interesting. Did you know that pollen travels hundreds of miles? No. Yeah, it can. It comes looking for me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> See, I, and... and you don't have allergies either, do you? So I, I did not suffer from allergies. Um, but once I moved to Mississippi, I started to, I, when I go out for my first few runs of the spring, I do, I do the lots of, lots of runny nose and lots of um, sneezing. Jackson is usually number one in the country. I always watch the pollen counts. Al- yep. I for, always watch the pollen, pollen count. counts. Mm-hmm. That ragweed. Jackson, weed. number one. Absolutely. Back to the phones we go. Sonia calling in from Ocean Springs. Hi, Sonia. Or is it Sonia? Yes. Sonia, uh, I'm sorry. I, I just want to make a comment about the um, puffy eyes. The thing that I found out that works best is uh, tea bags, just regular, uh, like lip, even lips and tea bags. And just um, after you make your tea, and then you just take the tea bag and just lay them on your eyes, and that helps a lot. Of- yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. That is another great home remedy that works really well. And again, it's, you know, you have the, uh, whether they're warm or not, but the warmth of the tea bag, but also that extra moisture that it helps to put yeah. into those areas. And sometimes the, the things in the tea will actually help to constrict some of those blood vessels around those areas as well. If you well. have a tooth extracted... Often they'll say chew on or, you know, put tea bags in there because it closes up the the space, stops the bleeding. So there's something in the tea itself. I have never been told to chew on a tea bag. Not chew on it. I'm sorry, but you put it down in there. Yeah, you're supposed to like bite down on it. If if your mouth keeps bleeding, Mm -hmm. it'll stop the bleeding. Well, and that also will give you, um, you know, we always say that when it comes to stopping bleeding, that um, holding pressure or something that provides pressure or tamponade um, will also help. But um, that is a thank you so much, Sonia, for that, um, that extra little tidbit, because, you know, I like to to let people know about some of the the 
pharmaceutical therapies and things that are available. But I also um, am a firm believer and am a strong supporter of those things that we can, the home remedies concept, um, because there are lots of things that we can do out at in our own homes or things that we can um, buy in the grocery store that will kind of help to treat some of those uh, everyday issues. Sonia, thank you so much for your phone call. um, You know how people, we mentioned Preparation H, Mm -hmm. which which works really well, I guess. I've never used it because (laughs) people who do use Preparation H for the purpose that it's intended for, I think they know what it smells like. So if they walk up and they're talking to you and they smell it, they think, why do you have that on your face? <laughs> That's my two cents. <laughs> All righty then. I just, so that has been your disincentive. <laughs> so the next I time I see it. you with puffy eyes, I will know that it's all about fear of judgment from from hemorrhoid user, from people who have hemorrhoids. Exactly. It's exactly think, you know, it. I would think that, you know, it's kind of that thing where like the smell of, of Bengay, you know, when I smell it, I just recognize that there's somebody else out there who's struggling with some muscle pain yeah, yeah. or some discomfort. Um, and it that's a question. Of, Why does Ben Gay or any of those smell like wintergreen? I think it's because a lot of them have like that wintergreen or winter that green extract and stuff that helps to because um, and or menthol is another mm-hmm. one. Um, and that's just uh, because it does have the ability to soothe and to relax and it pen, and the penetration that you get through the skin and the little cooling sensation that you get, the cooling and warming at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. It is. So, okay. yeah, I think that's what that I think that's that's why it smells that way, because you can't have that extract without the, the smell as the byproduct. I just but. know I have this little roller thing that's supposed to take care of and it does work. It that you roll under your eyes for puffiness mm-hmm. and it's sort of you feel it tightening up. I'm not sure what's in it, but they make that. Well, yeah. And there's a lot of different. So some of the makeup um, manufacturers or makeup lines. Have time. Um, wow, that flew by. I Makeup lines it. have what? Have that product. They also make those products. Yeah. So you can buy them from, you know, a regular, any regular um, makeup counter. All right. Well, thanks for some great questions and and topics today. Uh, Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio. It is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show was engineered by Jay White, our call screener, Java Chapman. For Dr. Michelle Owens, I'm Karen Brown. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. And stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.